Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drahada, Renault Dealer of the Year, offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance. Hello there and a very warm welcome to The Late Lunch. Joan Larkin here sitting in for Jerry, who's taking a well-deserved break this week. Well, we've a packed show to get through, so I hope you can stay with us. I'm going to start the show with a topic that's been the lead story on news bulletins for the longest time, the subject of mortgage arrears and people right around the country losing their homes. Hundreds of homeowners right across Ireland have been left devastated. They've had their properties repossessed between April and June of this year after they fell into mortgage arrears with their lender. The Central Bank revealed there were over 87,000 accounts in mortgage arrears at the end of June this year. Almost three quarters of those in arrears for more than 90 days. But there is light at the end of the tunnel and my first guest wants to help the hundreds of people out there who are struggling to pay their mortgages. Paul Cunningham, CEO of Home for Life, is with us. You're very welcome. Welcome to Late Lunch, Paul. Joan, great to be here. Thank you very much. Paul, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself to start off? I believe you're an accountant by trade. Yeah, but you're not going to hold that against me, I hope. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, but I got involved in debt advisory around the time of the, of, of the crash. And um, part of, um, of my advice to many, many um, people in, more in distress was around a scheme called mortgage to rent. Now, it really, back then, it really didn't work. It didn't meet enough people's needs. And I've been working for a number of years on um, modifying mortgage to rent, working with uh, Minister Damien English, who's been a huge advocate um, for mortgage to rent and, and its merits, and um, with other stakeholders, including charities and uh, Peter McVerry, I just want to call his name out, has been a huge supporter of it. So now we have, we believe, now a really good scheme that would meet a lot of the needs of some of, of borrowers here that are in terrible mortgage distress. So, we'll call so Paul, we're calling it um, Home for Life. How did that name come about? Yeah, now, look, the objective of the name was to give a, um, give a sense of what, what we're offering here to, to, the, to the borrower and what the borrower is re, or the homeowner really needs. Most of these borrowers are really struggling with unsustainable debt and are at real risk of losing their home. And the, the, the naming of the scheme... Or, or, or of our company is to give them a reasonable expectation that 
you know, with these changes, they should be able to stay in this home. Their family should be able to stay in this home, exactly as it says, for life. This is not like a vulture fund now, is it, Paul? No, no. It's very much the complete opposite of what a vulture fund is. What we're doing is um, we're providing housing. We're working with homeowners so they can stay in their homes. Um, they have a landlord, which is, turns out to be the local authority. And that house is, becomes part of the housing stock for the local community community and for the family that are in it currently. Okay, so that was my next question to you. What has happened to my house? Suppose I decide to go for this. Does the local authorities now own my house? Um, what happens is, if you're, do you have to be eligible for the scheme? And if you're eligible for the scheme, um, you you should you end up living in your home mortgage debt free, paying an affordable rent to your local authority. And your local authority would have a tenancy agreement with you and your family for you to stay in the house. You do give up ownership of the house, but you do get long-term secure tenure in your current property. When you say long-term secure tenure, do you put a figure on that, Paul? There's, um, will it pass down to my kids? Yes, it will. Joan. Okay, and that's a, that's a re- and and to your spouse, and okay. they have the rights to stay in that house as well. It is like there's 142,000 local authority housing. Um, houses in in the state it's like every single one of them and the rights that go with it are are, uh, applied to yourself and your family it's a really really good scheme Um, you you won't get a better landlord than your local authority a safer landlord the the rent is income based and affordable and uh, if you know it's it's a it's it from moving from where people are currently maybe many in the legal process many not engaging many very fearful of what's going to happen to a situation that they're got a secure tenure with their local authority. Okay, so just say, what, what, what kind of situation do you need to be in to qualify for this? Yeah. What makes you eligible yeah. for this? Part? So the, eligible, the eligibility criteria is the bank must deem you unsustainable, which means you're, right. you're, you're currently and in the future unlikely, unable to meet your mortgage repayments right. or repayment your loan. And then there's the, the eligibility around the scheme is your income level. So in Loud and Mead, it's 35,000 net of taxes for a single person and it goes up for if there's additional adults or right. additional. And then the value of the house has to be less than 365,000. Right. And the other eligibility criteria, it must meet your reasonable housing need. What do you so, mean by that, Paul? What's exactly. a reasonable housing yeah, need? Yeah, that's a good question, John. So it's um, a single person can only live in a three-bedroom house. Uh, a, a single person can't live in a four-bedroom house or a five-bedroom house. Okay, but suppose that's the family home. You've raised a gang of kids, the kids are grown up and they're gone, and this is the family home where all the memories have been made, where the parents still live, the pet dogs are buried in the garden. Are you going to... They're not eligible. They're, yeah, that's exactly it. it. It is a targeted scheme. I agree with you. The, the eligibility criteria is targeted. It is government-funded. It is uh, an attempt by the government to to give uh, supports to the most needy. I think the other side of it is, how would we feel about somebody living in a six-bedroom house or a five-bedroom house, a single person? Is that where the the funds should be allocated to? And, Joan, we're seeing so many dreadful cases, you know, that are just not eligible Mm. And but yeah. it's not to say because you're not eligible for mortgage to rent, there isn't other uh, schemes out there, or there isn't other uh, avenues that need to be explored. And that's the that's the key. That's the key thing I'd say to anybody is engage, understand that this is a very very good scheme if you're eligible. And there's others. 
there's other alternatives to be explored and, and MABs have a huge part to play or ourselves at Home for Life have a huge part to play in helping you find the right solution for you. Right, okay, but what happens then? Suppose my circumstances change, I get back on my feet and I think I can start paying my mortgage again. Is there an option for that? Yeah, well, the first thing is um, there, there's an option to buy back your property in the future um, um, which, which which exists. But if, if, you're, um, if you're eligible for the... Um, local authority housing, which is the eligibility criteria, if your circumstances improve, it doesn't disqualify you in the future from staying in that property. So it doesn't matter if you if you or your family's circumstances improve, you still have every right to remain in, in the house. But do you need to pick up a mortgage again? Do you need to apply all over again no. to, for a mortgage for that house, for yeah. the same house? Well, if you're, if you're looking to buy back the, the property in the future and, that's, and you have that uh, uh, guaranteed r- right to be able to buy back, you would have to go and borrow again, and that would, you know, realistically, that's a pro- that's going to be problematic. Mm. But the other side of it is, uh, I'd, I'd question why would you move away from being a local authority tenant, paying very reasonable rent to the one of the best landlords you'll ever find, uh, who take care of all your repairs and maintenance and your insurance and your LPT, uh, your local property tax, to move back into a situation that you found very, very difficult in the past, which is borrowing and having mortgage debt hanging over you. Because Irish people have an obsession with owning the land and owning the house. And what am I going to leave for my kids? Yeah. Have we learned anything? I'm not sure. (laughs) I know across Europe it's rent, rent, rent. I lived in Europe and I rented and I never had a problem with it. But in Ireland it's seen as a huge problem if you're intending to rent for the rest of your life. Yeah. Almost a stigma. And and Joan, you know, what's, what's amazing that we're coming across people in their 60s and maybe mid 60s or late 60s that have mortgage debt today, mm. you know, that have state income and they have to pay mortgage repayments. This is this is not the model that we all signed up for, but it's, it's the reality of what we're yeah. finding out there today. Yeah. Um, so it is very, very difficult um, for a lot, a lot of people. And then yeah. can Home for Life ever sell my house? Um, no, <laughs> unfortunately, not unfortunately. They can never take the house no. and, and sell it on? The, the house is, is, is controlled by the local authority. It's a local authority house. Your your arrangements are with your local authority. What we're doing is facilitating the, the acquisition of the property and we're working with the banks and you and the local authorities. But it's the your relationship as a, a former homeowner is with your local authority to stay in that house. And suppose I'm living there on my own eventually at the end of the day and suppose I pass away. What happens to the house then? If, if you're the sole occupant, it comes back into the local authority and okay. the local authority can go and find um, they would keep renting that out uh, to other um, p- uh, families or individuals that need housing. Um, if you are married or you're, you have a spouse or a partner, they have a right to remain in that house. And your kids, they have a right to remain in that house. And if I want to go on, they're kids' yeah. kids have a right to remain in that right, house. Right, and what about leaving if I decide to up sticks and move abroad? What happens to the house problem. then? Not a problem. Hand back your... Hand back the keys. I, I don't know if you hand back the keys, but you just don't pay <laughs> any rent and you, you go away. So it, it, again, it's just, it's, it's a social housing stock right. that would be coming in here now into Loud and Mead, hopefully, where, there, where there's a big, big need for housing um, and there's a big demand for, you know, there's, there's I think we're from Central Bank, there's 1,900 families out there in Loud Mead mm. that could have, that could have of this game that are unsustainable and in deep mortgage arrears. And have you had any feedback from people who've taken up the scheme, Paul? Yeah, 
yeah, it's it's uh, generally the people that we've engaged with are usually supportive of this as a solution because they see you know, it, it, they see it as their way out mm. of the most distressing, stressful circumstances. It's the fundamental need is the need for shelter, and uh, mm-hmm. if this scheme allows it to be done in a private, confidential manner that they can stay in their house and working with Home for Life, um, we're able to achieve that. So it's it's generally well received. What the problem if I had um, three wishes coming up to Christmas it would be to extend the eligibility criteria that that less people are excluded but um, we are working with a scheme that we have currently. At the moment it is what it is. It is what it is and our objective is to make sure everyone is aware of it and that's what Joan really appreciate being here today given that opportunity is to get the the message out. So let's get the message out Paul. How do people get the ball rolling suppose you know if they think this could be the scheme for them what do they do? What's the first thing they do? Yeah The, the first thing they need Need to do is um, is engage, um, engage, engage. They can engage with ourselves, which is Home for Life, our website, homeforlife.ie. They engage with their local MABS official. A lot of people do not want to engage directly with their bank, and I can understand that. People I, are afraid, I think, to answer the phones to the bank or even pick up their own phone to call the bank. Yeah. People are afraid. Ab- that's absolutely that's our that's our experience, and that's and that's what we're we're finding. They, they're not comfortable doing that, so they don't. So we we appreciate that. Some are very comfortable and, and, and have engaged with their banks others aren't so they can contact us home for life they can contact our mabs official or advisors and we can work together they will con- if if we're asked to work with you as a homeowner we'll 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 walk you through the process liaise with the bank liaise with your local authority and get you through this whole process now we think it's four to six months realistically it's closer to the six months right but there'll be certainty of completion at a very early stage that you're eligible then we have to go through the uh, legal advice that you know it's it's a process that you it's a big decision so free independent and legal advice is provided for you to make sure you and your family are making the right decision for for you Mm -hmm. Um, and that just takes a little bit of time but um, and you and in in that time frame legal processes are agreed to be suspended while the mortgage to rent is so you have that removed from you hanging over you that that, you know that those court dates that horrible threat that's those sleepless nights that next date that's on that's in your diary you know yeah and um so that's it's a very interesting scheme paul i hope you get um a lot of feedback from this interview so thanks very very much for coming in to chat with us today on late lunch john great pleasure thank you very much the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. Now, if you have any questions, queries or indeed thoughts on anything we're talking about on the programme today, you can text us or WhatsApp us on 86 658 Now, the talk around the water coolers today is the latest news out there. Baby, it's cold outside has been banned from some radio stations. The PC Brigade are at it again, Sinead. It's yes. been the talk of the office here and I'm sure every office around the country. The song has been banned from some radio stations. What do yes, you think about that? Yes, it's getting a frosty reception 
exception, if Ooh. I may be so bold as to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. This Look, this is a bit of a <laughs> left of field one to be thrown at us on a Monday morning, Joan. I saw this sort of uh, doing the rounds last night. I think it's gone crazy. Absolutely. This is OTT now. Mad. It's the first day we're all officially allowed to play Christmas yes. songs and this one's been banned and it's not my favourite but it's a lot of people's favourites but it's just gone nuts altogether. I mean we know it was written in the 40s in the 1940s. Okay, a different era. It won the Oscar for best song for the movie Neptune's Daughter back in 1949, right? It won the Oscar back then. Simpler times you might say and it's about a woman who's torn between wanting to, to, to stay over with her lover, something which was frowned on yes, culturally yeah, back in yeah. the 40s, right? But the line we're reading today, some radio stations have stopped playing the song after listeners complained the song was too rapey. Mm. I mean, where do you go with that? You see, like this is all, I suppose, on the back of the Me Too movement yes. in the States and then that obviously trickled around the world as well. And, you know, it, I think you have to just take it like a song is a song. I mean, yeah. if you were to go through all the archives of all the songs that are out there. Funny in terms of the that. lyrics, yeah, Funny <laughs> I say that because the Irish Independent have, well, I give you a lash of oh, one of these. please. Okay, so if me. we were going to ban any of the other Christmas songs, so say, for example, Santa Claus is coming to town, what this really means is, uh, according to the PC Brigade, that it's the unidentified stalker invading <laughs> privacy and making threats to children with non-GDPR compliant oh, data. Oh good God, driving home for Christmas is environmentally unfriendly because you're not taking public transport and White Christmas climate change denying lacks understanding the world is warming up. Oh my God, an Irish favourite fairy tale of New York, homophobic expressions and alcohol promotion. Oh yeah. my well, God. I mean, if there, we actually have a, f- a funny poll uh, if you want to take part in this, by the way, on our Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're saying, you know, uh, you know, the, the idea that cheap, lazy faggot, you know, is it a lyric that's in the, the Pogue song, yeah. you know, should we be banning this next? 91% so far, Jonah saying absolutely not it's a classic and only 9% saying yes it's inappropriate on our Twitter Okay 9% and I need to talk to this 9% yeah, of people To see that you know they're, they're, they're concerned about those lyrics and then also on our Facebook if I just find it here again we have it on there uh, and people are commenting very much so in their droves if you want me to, to read out yeah, some of the comments for you Give us a couple Okay so Alison uh, says uh, oh yes, she's talking about the other story as well. The HSC staff aren't allowed to call patients love, dear oh or lads. It's a joke. And yeah. now they're saying phrases like this, uh, bringing home the bacon and flogging a dead horse could be banned not to offend vegans. Oh dear Lord. Uh, somebody else saying, did you ever hear such shh? I won't say the word. <laughs> it's a song. A song has different meanings for everyone. If you don't like it, just change the station and on and on it goes on yeah. our Facebook as well. Yeah. Stop the Cavalry. What do you think they're saying about Stop the Cavalry? That old Joan, it was at Jonah Louis, wasn't it? Militaristic undertones. Oh, dear Lord. And of course, don't forget about Mommy kissing Santa Claus under the tree. That's oh. accepting infidelity, Joan, oh, don't oh, you know? Absolutely, it is. Yeah, And Merry Christmas, everybody, now means that it's functioning. Alcoholism <laughs> is being brought to the forefront. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. It means a man will force himself onto a woman under the mistletoe. I know. It's, it's Look, it's crazy. But I think uh, for, for us today, Joan, I don't think it's going to be banned too much just Not here today. Banned what do you think? here. Not in this house. Will we play it? Absolutely. Let's play it. LMFM with your local mace going the extra smile this Christmas and wishing you a stocking full of happiness.
But baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away. Oh, baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been. Been hoping that you drop so in. I'll hold your hands that just like I will start to worry. Beautiful, watch your heart. Father will be pacing the floor. Listen to that fireplace. So really, I'd better scurry. Oh, beautiful, please don't hurry. Or maybe just a half a Why don't you put some records on while I pour? The neighbors might sing. Oh, baby, it's bad out there. What's in this train? There's no caps to be had out there. I wish I knew how. Your eyes are like starlight. To break this spell. I'll take your hat. Your hair looks well. I swell. to say no, 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 Mind sir. if I move a little At close. At least there will be, ooh, that I tried. What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Our bodies Cold outside. The answer is no. You know it's cold outside. This welcome has been. I'm lucky that you dropped so in. So nice and warm. Look out the window. Ah, that's My gone. My sister will be suspicious. Oh, your lips look delicious. My brother will be there at the door. Like waves upon a tropical shore. Ooh, your lips are delicious. Or maybe just a cigarette more. Never such a blizzard. I've got to go home. Oh, baby, you would freeze out there. Say, lend me a cold. You know it's up to your knees out there. You've really been grand. I feel when you touch my hand. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drahada, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance. Now, welcome back. My next guest really needs no introduction at all. One of Ireland's best known authors, a well-loved voice on RT's early morning news with it says in the papers on Radio 1. So that makes her an old colleague of mine. The wonderful Deirdre Purcell joins me in studio this afternoon. Deirdre, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks and thanks for having me, Joan. Not at all. It's wonderful to see you again. I left RT myself some two years ago, but you just left recently. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm still in mourning. 
I left for all kinds of reasons, uh, basically because I have three books to write in two and a half years, basically. (laughs) And I was getting up at two in the morning for that gig. I absolutely adored it, though. I really and thoroughly enjoyed it. Of all the things I've done, I think I got most kind of joy out of it. I Mm. can't describe it, really. But also when you're a writer, it's extremely solitary. It's a solitary profession. Yeah, of course. And just to have a place to go. Yeah. To belong to an organisation. People to see and chat to. Yeah, yeah. And people who are on the same wavelength as you, you know, in terms of, you know, you're a professional, you're doing this. And then once it's over, it's over, you go home. I just, I just loved it. Yeah, I do remember being on overnights in RTE, seeing you come in the door with a pile of newspapers in your arms at half three in the morning with a big smile on your face. I'm going, oh my God, how does she do it? (laughs) Knowing that you've driven for an hour to get there. And then you just sat and you were just so happy at that desk. Oh, I loved it. I really and truly did. Um, But there's no point thing. You have to move on. And Mm. I really wasn't getting enough sleep. I was operating on two and a half, three three and a half hour sleep and over a sustained period Mm. that does get you. Oh absolutely yeah Yeah, so that wouldn't be good for the creative juices either if you're exhausted (sighs) permanently. I don't don't know I'm I'm not a good I mean I'm not a good judge of my own books so (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No I mean even to try to sit down to write when you're you're so tired. I managed um, while I was on that gig I was on it for six years Mm. and I managed at least three books, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, certainly one non mm. non-fiction and two novels, maybe three. I don't know. But anyway, I managed, but it obviously took its toll. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. And every time I come in here, I have a cold. Uh, yeah, so you were saying <laughs> you're there cradling a hot cup of coffee, your poor thing. I, I feel sorry yeah. for you. Yeah, no, but okay. you don't sound like you have a cold. Okay. You sound amazing. Do you mind, Deirdre, if we go back, back to your early life? If you can tell me a little bit about yourself as a youngster, where you grew up, a little bit of history about yourself. Okay, the only thing about it is, and especially since I did a memoir, I think Mm. this is very, very boring for people. I know you think that, but maybe for you. Indulge me. All right. Um, Well, a very peripatetic childhood in many ways. I was born in Hollow Street beside Mm. Alan Jukes. (laughs) <laughs> Alan Jukes and I were born two minutes apart. Oh, really? No, yes. you see, that's something I didn't know. Yeah, so there you well, are. I don't publicize it. He doesn't publicize <laughs> it either, either, I don't think. But um, then my parents had rented a place in Blanchardstown at the time. My father was a civil servant and um, my mother was a, what they used to call housewives. Mm. You know, she always said, mm. I'm not the wife of this house. Yeah. But uh, she, she's, she was a stay at home mother. She mm. had uh, been working since she was 14. Uh, she le- She's from Durrow in County Leash. And at the time when she left primary school, uh, she was sent to Dublin to live with an aunt and to work in the Broadway Cafe oh, in right. O'Connell Street. And uh, she was 14. She, Her sister joined her then, two years later, uh, she started. My mother started washing dishes, and then my auntie Sheila started washing dishes, and then my mother was promoted to the cake counter, Ooh. which was really big deal. Yeah, but it was during the war, and she she was very good looking, and she was also a terrific dancer, and that the Broadway Cafe had a ballroom upstairs with a live orchestra. Oh, wow. Right. And there were a number of ships that were stranded in Dublin 
right. um, at, at the docks in Dublin. Okay. They couldn't get out. They mm-hmm. were kind of uh, marooned there when, when at the outbreak of the war. So they used to come down to the Broadway and the officers were allowed to go up to the dance hall <laughs> and the ballroom. And my mother was recruited to go up and dance with them. Oh, what a terrible job to have to <laughs> have to entertain all those men in uniform. Yeah, yeah but the, uh, it was only the officers as well. Right. So, yeah, she so she became kind of very, um, she enjoyed that, that side of things. Mm-hmm. And people would come in from the Abbey Theatre around the corner. So it was right. kind of a theatrical place as yes, well. Yes, yeah. I mean, she knew William Butler Yeats and Maud oh, Gunn right, and okay. all those kinds of people. And my mother herself was quite a theatrical th- person. Yes. Anyway. So- they um, they had to leave the cottage in Blanchardstown and move to another cottage. It was actually a gate lodge in what's now Laurel Lodge. Oh, was that near Castleknock? Yeah, it oh, was yeah. in the grounds. So it was the, yeah. late, late, the gate lodge. And my first childhood memories are actually of sound. My my it was the war, as I say, and prams didn't have rubber. For wheels, right. So I remember being wheeled out in a pram uh, around that area in Castleknock, and my father had made wooden wheels for the pram. For right. The pram. Okay. So it was. <laughs> I, rem- I remember that. Yeah. I also remember that the roof of the of the lodge was leaking. So yeah. there was any time it rained, it was pling, 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 pling. And these are your earliest and memories. These are my earliest sound, sound being your earliest yes. memories. Yeah. I have a little note here that said that when you were a little girl, you had a, a completely different idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up. A jockey? Yeah, a jockey. Really? I did, yeah. I just. Where did that come from? I don't know. Um, I think that in Castle Knock, there were fields around and they had horses. Mm-hmm. Possibly, I've yeah. I always loved horses. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I did learn to ride later on, but uh, yeah, I just thought it would be a fantastic idea to be a jockey. Really? Yeah. And you did learn to ride horses later on? I did later on, yeah. But then where did the writing start? How young were you when you first picked up a pen and decided, I've got something in my mind, I need to write this down? 46. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's truth. Really? Well, I was a journalist. Um, I went into broadcasting first. Um, Well, I went into acting first as an actress. Yeah. And then um, from everything that I did in life seemed to move on from each to each other. One fed I mean. into another. Absolutely. Yeah. So the acting fell into broadcasting. I was became an announcer in, in Radio Erin. And then, as it was then, in Henry Street. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the that went into news reading, which went into newscasting yeah which went into journalism and then i went into journalism writing journalism in the sunday tribune with vincent brown yeah. which was a really uh, interesting period yes. in my life i've worked with the man myself yeah, <laughs> yeah. interesting that's very a great word yeah and uh, <laughs> but he's very inspirational oh, for, he's, as well he is you know he's his own he's his own person yeah. he's quite uh, Shall yeah. we say individualistic? Yes. yes, yes. But he is really very inspirational. Anyway, and that resulted because I was doing many, I was doing big long interviews for the Tribune mm. called the People Page. Yeah, and a publisher in Dublin uh, thought she discerned a narrative talent in mm. the, in the journalism. Mm. So she offered me a gig to write a novel, and uh, I said no. I know I'm perfectly happy. Thanks very much. Yeah. 
But she persisted for about six months and she just persisted to the extent that I eventually gave in. But I said to her, right, I will write a plot and if you don't like it or if it's no good, you won't tell anyone. They won't tell anyone. And don't show it to anybody. Don't show it to anyone. (laughs) So she, it it, it started there. I was 46 at that stage. But from one journalist to another, I could never imagine taking my journalistic career or any skills I acquired in all those years working as a journalist and taking them to another sphere, we'll say into fiction, into a novel. I mean, where do the ideas come from for something like that? Well, (coughs) excuse me, I don't actually quite know, but um, everyone is different. Mm. I'll only cite what my father used to say about me, which was, if Deirdre tells you anything, cut it in half. (laughs) A tendency to exaggerate? Yes, a tendency to uh, dramatise. And and that came from the acting as well. Yeah, but that's not always a bad thing. So um, my difficulty in writing fiction is not ideas. My difficulty is weaning them and finding finding ideas to write about as opposed to, I have no shortage of ideas. I'm teeming with ideas. Right, okay. But it's the difficulty in finding something that'll work as a novel. And where do you get the inspiration for the characters, for the people? Do you take them from people around you? I mean, you don't. No, no. At all. But I'm not actually I wouldn't be the person to be very accurate about that because I don't know. Right. Because all fiction is actually, in my opinion, serial autobiography. Right, okay. You know, yeah. because if you're to write truthfully, you're only going to write about your own reactions, mm-hmm. your own ideas, your own uh, feelings and what you've experienced and all of that kind of thing. So no doubt I'm affected by people around me. Yeah. But I don't deliberately set out, no. So you're not going to use, uh, you know, you're having lunch with somebody one day and, and maybe they'll inspire you with an idea, but no. it won't be that you deliberately will use that in a no, novel. It won't. definitely it, not. Yeah. People come to authors all the time and say, I have, I have a great idea for yeah. a novel, you know, this would be great. And yes, it would, but I have a thing like a tuning fork in my brain and if it doesn't go ting, on an idea, it's not for me. Okay. I know that I can't develop it. You have to be able to develop an idea. Yeah. That's the main thing. It's great to have an idea. Yeah. But actually but developing to it to novel length, 100,000 yeah. words. Yeah. And that's, keep people turning the pages. Yeah, absolutely can't imagine yeah. how anybody can sit down and do that. You must yeah. need total isolation, do you, to be able to do that? But very few women get total isolation. That is true. Very few. Yeah. Uh, there are some who... Um, can manage it, like the whole Virginia Woolf thing about room of your own. Mm-hmm. But in general, my view is that women, I'm lost in admiration for women who write if they have children and if they have domestic mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, uh, I had a wonderful, a wonderful lady who helped me with cleaning for about 17 years and she's retired now. And I'm lost, you know, without having to clean a house and having to do all of that kind of thing. <laughs> as well as try to produce the books that you're contracted yes, to produce. that I'm contracted to with <laughs> deadlines. Deadlines are the death of me, really. I know, there's the death of all of us. Can we yeah. talk a little bit more about that, dear? Do we have to go to break? Sure. Great, we'll come back with Deirdre after this. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes fully serviced, full vehicle health check and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance and low APR finance. 
And we're back with the living legend in studio that is Deirdre Purcell. <laughs> dead. <laughs> no, not at all. Before the break, Deirdre, we were talking about what it takes to write a successful novel and if you can get the time away where there's nothing else on your mind and you can lock yourself away in order to produce the work you're contracted to produce. I mean, is that a difficult thing to do? It's not a difficult thing to do if you can find if you can find the escape route. Um, mm. Most women that I know who write um, kind of fit it in around other things. Now there are some people who have the luck to be able to do it exclusively and do nothing else. Mm. Um, but in my case, uh, I do. Fit, I'm one of those who fits it in. And uh, but I do get away. I'm going away tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, actually for a week to right. with a second home on the Bear Peninsula, which is completely quiet, completely right. silent. And what happens to be down there, I get about five times as much written in the same time as I would at home because I take off watches, turn off clocks, turn off radios, turn off televisions and I just do around the clock. I I write, sleep, sleep, eat. I don't know what time it is, whether it's dark or bright. I just, if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm sleepy, I sleep. Right. But all of the rest of the time I'm writing. How do you stay so disciplined to do that? How do you resist the phone, the TV? There's nobody hanging out of me. (laughs) (laughs) So you're totally alone and they turn off the phone, ignore all of that? Yeah, I do. Now, I I mean, I will uh, make arrangements to ring home. Yeah, you know. yeah, at a certain time and yeah. then turn the phone off yeah. again. Yeah, And 24 plus books on Deirdre. Do you mm. ever just look at yourself and pinch yourself and say, gosh, wasn't I blessed really with this talent and, and with the ambition I had? Do you look back and think, how the hell did that happen? How did how did I produce so many great books? Or do you think, well, well, yeah, I was always meant to do this. This no, was always in no, the cards no. for me. I, I, never, I had no ambitions to write. I never wrote anything before that novel. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Not a poem, nothing. So what I... Um, when I from my side, people say, God, you know, it must, you must feel great. From my side, it doesn't feel great because I'm always... Uh, 
involved in the next thing, whatever the next thing is. Right, okay. So I'm always on the lookout for the next thing. Do you never get to relax and sit back on your laurels and enjoy just what you've done? No, no, it's never good enough for me. Really, there's a lovely comment in a message for you, Deirdre, from Patricia Burke on the Clonsilla Road in Blanchardstown. She said she knew you years ago, wants to send you her best wishes and good luck in the future. Lovely to hear you today. She said that's Patricia Burke. Do you remember Patricia by any chance? Well, I'm sure you've met thousands of people. Sound, I was about one and a half. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So when you look back on your life, Deirdre, is there anything you would have done differently, do you think? Um, I think I went headlong into life. I think I just went from one thing to another. But I I do have a regret that I didn't have the choice when my marriage broke up, I didn't have the choice to stay at home with kids. You right. Know? You had to go out to work. I had to go out and, and earn my crust and keep the show on the road. Yeah. I had to do that. And I mm. envy the women nowadays who have a choice. Right. They can do it or they, you know, they like in my era, a lot of my friends had to leave when they got married. Mm. They had to leave whatever they, uh, whatever job they were in. That yeah. didn't happen to me. But... I had I didn't have a choice. I had to work. So I just I that's the one regret I have. Yeah. Really? And when you look back at your life, are you happy with what you've achieved or do you think oh my gosh, no, there's loads more I want to do? There's loads more I want to do. Really? Yes. And what are your plans? Tell me what's no going plans. on at the moment. Oh, no do you pl- just like I don't lie by the seat of your plans? Yeah, I don't make plans because <laughs> if you make plans you're always you're always disappointed. That is true, I guess. It is true. What's yeah. going on at the moment then? What's what's well, out there for you I'm, at the moment? I've started a new novel because it's due in a few months' time. I don't have much time to do it. And I will, as I say, go away the day after tomorrow and work for, solidly for a week. And I, um, I've i also got another non-fiction book on the stocks. I've taken a pause from that and will be taking it up when the other novel, when the novel is published. Mm. And then... Um, your Christmas know. Voyage has been republished this year for the Christmas market. That's, that's right. That, that yeah. lovely book. Yeah. So that's coming out. Is it out already? Out. In paperback. So the paperback, paperback version yeah. of it is out. Yeah. Good tell value, me. apparently. Is it really? <laughs> yes. I haven't seen it out there yet, but you need to tell me about it because it's one of your books, I will admit, I haven't read yet, but I'm going to. Well, it's, it Christmas. concerns a cruise. It concerns a cruise, but it's in a rickety old boat that uh, oh gosh, right, is okay. on its last legs. The, <laughs> the people on it don't know it's on its last legs. Um, but it's full of, as all my books are, it's full of drama. You know, there's drama. <laughs> Things happen. Deirdre, I'd love to live inside your mind just for a day. <laughs> I really would. You'd probably, you'd probably run a mile, I'd <laughs> Where did you get the inspiration for that then? Have you been on a cruise? I have. I okay. absolutely love it. Did I you love, love it? it. I, I never been. thought I'd like a cruise. I always thought I'd be bored. Mm. But when you think of it, you're in a different country every day. Mm. You have no decisions to make except what you'll eat and when and where. Mm. You have like you have everything at your fingertips. You you pack, unpack once, and you don't pack again until, you know, you're you're leaving to go home. It's yeah. just an, and you've seen countries and cities that you haven't been in before. Yeah, um, I would just worry that I'm trapped on a boat with all these people, the same people every day. No, no. Sure, sure, the last one we were on, it was a bit big now. Yeah. The last one was on 4,200 people. You're not going to, you know. Right, OK, so it's like being in a small town then on holiday. It is like the, a moving town. It's a moving city, actually, you know, almost. Yeah. Um, it has shops and yeah, yeah, everything that you need. So do you want to tell me a little bit about the book? Because I haven't read it yet. So I just want to hear well, a little about bit about this, it. It's about this... this 
uh, it's called the the Clara, mm. and it's heading off uh, from Barcelona or Rome or wherever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just I'm. There are three main characters. Right. One is a a, a young novelist who. Uh, she is a journalist and wants to. She's trying to get inspiration for her second book. Right now, where did you get book. her from? Where did you oh, find her know, from? I don't know, but now? she's English. She's not me. <laughs> okay. Um, then there is a very um, a, a model, a beautiful woman who's mm. Irish, but who's married to a very rich Jewish businessman from New York, mm-hmm. uh, who's. Not uh, not in a very happy marriage. Okay. So it's what, how that right. plays out there. Right-o. And then there's a gorgeous character, my favourite character called Charles. He's an, an old actor. He's in his 70s. And his job has been for the last few years uh, doing uh, workshop, acting workshops on these cruises. Oh, okay. Okay. That's not, okay. You've it sold to me. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to read that so over they Christmas. all get together. They all, they, they impinge on each other. Do you know the way they say, Deirdre, everybody has a book in them. Mm-hmm. And you and I had this conversation one morning in the RTE yeah. canteen. Yeah. And yes, I will tell you, it's still there in the notebook. I've done okay. nothing. I'm sorry. You gave me the title for this book I had in my head. What did I say? Uh, no, I won't say it. I'll tell you <laughs> after. <laughs> but it was brilliant. You, you, you looked at the title I'd written and you said, no, no, no. And you changed it. And I took that on board. But it's still in the drawer at home in a notebook. So no, I don't think it's ever going anywhere. I just don't think I can do it. But they say we all have a book in us. So anyone out there listening to this, listening to you with all these books under your belt, all this success, they might have a strong desire to write, but don't know where to start. What advice would you give to somebody who thinks, oh, I want to be a writer? Um, Everyone, everyone's life is worth a book, but not everyone can write it. <clears throat> there is a certain amount of talent that you need. Yeah. But there's also a lot of luck involved to being in the right place at the right place. Yeah. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> the cold again, the jinx of the cold. Oh, I know. The LMFM jinx. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the the uh, the advice is the same as Maeve Vinci always gave. Sit down, get your arse in the chair. Yeah. That's the first Sit step, Sit down it? and just do it. Stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. The hardest thing is to start. But once you've started, I find it's the hardest thing mm. to do because once I've started, I'm committed. This right. is, I, I mess around for days and weeks and months before I start because I have too many choices. Okay. So once the choice is made, even if it's going to, you're going to scrap it, make it. Make the choice and just sit down and start. Even if the start is terrible, keep going, go back and and change it. And rewrite and rewrite? Rewrite and rewrite, I do. By the time I get to the end of a novel, I will have rewritten the first chapter at least 80 times. Do you ever write by hand or are you always on your laptop? Always on it? Always on the laptop. But I do carry a notebook all the time Hmm. when ideas strike me, when a plot development or a piece of dialogue or something... I'll write it Jot down. It down. That's and the journalist in you now, Deirdre. Probably. <laughs> Deirdre, I want to thank you so much for coming in to see us today on Late Lunch and the best of luck with everything and a very thanks. happy Christmas. And thanks for having me and good luck with the gig. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drahada, Renault Dealer of the Year, offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry leading standards of two years' warranty, two years' breakdown assistance, and low APR finance. 
Don't forget you can text or WhatsApp us on 0861800658. Now you might remember a few weeks ago Linda Barron from Dundalk. She's the mum of little Zoe Murphy who's living with um, spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. She was on the show here speaking with Jerry about their ongoing fundraising campaign for life-changing surgery for Zoe in America. Well just last Friday the family were targeted by thieves who attempted to break into their house believing that the money they collected through the fundraisers would be just lying around the house. Linda Barron joins me now on the line to tell us what happened. Hi, Linda, how are you? Hi, Joan, I'm not so bad. Linda, good Lord, this is terrible. Can you tell us what happened last Friday? Yeah, so it was a bit of a shock. Um, we have a Facebook page for Zoe, so um, we, we post regularly. Oh, we seem, we seem to have lost Linda there. Are you there, Linda? Hello, Hello Linda. Hello, Linda. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Sorry, Linda, we lost you there for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. So I was just explaining that um, her Facebook page is very um, popular at the moment. So we do we do put up a lot of stuff of what's happening with the fundraising. So we happened to put up that we had the bucket collection, the street bucket collection on Friday morning from 10 to 6. So um, at 10 o'clock Friday morning, Eamon went off with the bucket to meet whoever was doing the collections on the street. And me and Zoe stayed behind. I was in the kitchen. I had strapped Zoe into her. She's got a specialised wooden chair. So I strapped her into the chair and I was in the sitting room, in the kitchen getting her clothes ready and I heard a, a massive bang. So automatically I thought something happened with the chair. So I jumped up and went to run into Zoe and just as I was passing our patio window, there's two guys standing there at the door. Um, I, I fled. I, I ran into the sitting room, lifted Zoe out of the chair and ran out the front door. So they seemed to have um, backed off and ran, maybe jumped the side wall or side um, into our neighbour's back garden and might have got out that way. I know they definitely didn't come outside the front of the house because I was standing there with Zoe, but it was absolutely terrifying. Um, Good Lord, Linda, what was going through your mind when you saw these two guys standing outside your door? I just flew. I, I didn't know. I, did, I, I couldn't even tell if the door was open or not. I, I panicked that much. I didn't know if they were inside or outside the door. I just, I panicked and I just flew. I thought they might be coming to target me and Zoe or because they know that we've reached 50,000. It's quite a lot of money. It's been very publicly um, broadcast around Facebook and everywhere, Like, which is great. You know, but this isn't the first so time, good. is it, Linda? This isn't the first attempted break-in at your house, is it? No. Then on the 18th of November, um, me and my girls, my two older girls, were actually sitting down. I remember it's the start of um, Celebrities. We were sitting down waiting for that. And I didn't notice, but um, Eamon, so his dad was in the kitchen, and he had noticed two guys lingering around the front of the house. So without alarming us or making us aware of it, he just went upstairs and had a look from the upstairs window just to make sure they weren't, maybe we thought maybe targeting the car or something. So they actually came up to the window and looked in and seen me and the girls. And I, I was oblivious to it all. Um, and they walked down the drive and then they came running up the drive and banging on the door. And normally, like, what I would do is I'd get up and open the door or I'd, I'd tell one of the girls to open the door because it's never, like, we've never had an issue. So um, I got up to go and open the door, but Eamon came running down the stairs and said, don't open that door. So he opened it and their foot was just at the, at the front door and he didn't open it far, far enough for them to, to mm. do anything. Mm. He was aware that it was these two guys and then they were a bit taken aback that it was Eamon and it wasn't one of the girls that opened the door, I suppose. And they asked, um, can you show me how to get out of the estate? Now, we live just beside the entrance to the estate. You know, right. it's not a jungle. It's, you know, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a cop-out. So, yeah. And how are you yeah. feeling and how's little Zoe after the latest ordeal? Well, to be honest with you, like we after the um, on Friday, we had to go up to Dublin 
for a strength and conditioning se- session with a woman from uh, Scotland for Zoe. But to be honest, the whole way up in the car, I just said to him, and I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to put the kids at risk. I yeah. felt like we were being targeted. I felt like now it could be a coincidence. You know, it is that time of year that mm. a lot more about It could be a coincidence, but it, it seems too much of a coincidence that he was only gone 10 minutes and they were there yeah. and they knew when it was empty and yeah. stuff. Like, obviously. Seems like they were watching, all right, Linda. And you know what? It's a horrible feeling not to feel safe in your own home. It's very intrusive. And I, I just, like, I honestly, at that point, I just said to him, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I, we need to we need to get so we we need to get our surgery, but to what extent? Like, I didn't want... The, and then I was I was five minutes late picking the girls up from school and I was panicking, thinking, is somebody watching them? Like, I, I went into overdrive yeah. paranoia, I suppose. Can we talk about yeah. little Zoe for a minute? How is she yeah. doing? She's doing brilliant. She's doing absolutely brilliant. She's the strongest wee fighter I've ever met in my life. Like, she's always in pain and will ask to be rubbed and stuff, but she never yeah. stops smiling. Do you want to tell us a little bit about her for some people who maybe don't know your story, mm. Linda? Yes, yeah, so, so it was born. She was born at 42 weeks, so she she was overdue. Um, she was £8. We got discharged from hospital the following day. Everything was great. We just thought we were taking home another wee girl. And um, it was only when she got to about six months and stuff, my mammy instinct started to kick in and I realised that she just wasn't developing the way the other girls have. And everyone would tell me, don't compare. And I know myself, don't compare kids because they all do yeah. different things at different yeah. stages. But there was just something niggling at me that there was more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, she couldn't sit up, couldn't hold, couldn't support her head. Um, around the six months mark, we tried to put her onto solid food, foods, and she would just choke on even the the pureed food. She'd yeah. choke on anything that was more than her bottle. So yeah. I knew there was obviously something wrong with her swallowing and things like that. So the more I went to the doctor, the more I was told not to just relax. She'll get there eventually. Yeah. But at ten ten months old, um, I took her up to the public health nurse, and I just begged her to please look into something else more. So. She examined her and realised that her hips weren't um, aligned. Right. So that was the first thing. So we went up and got the x-ray and sure enough, her hips were dislocated. So um, then at 10 months old, she had surgery on her hips and then was placed in the spiky cast. Now, even in the spiky cast, I've been Dr. Google and I've been on Facebook and other Mm -hmm. groups and parents Mm -hmm. with the same condition. And their kids, while the spiky cast is very, very restricted, their kids were still attempting to crawl and still doing their own wee movements of crawling and Zoe just wasn't able to do any of it. Yeah. So um, I knew in my heart and soul there was more. So I, I went to a private neurologist and he organised an MRI for us. Um, that MRI took place after she committed the spike cast. But um, when we met with the neurologist before the MRI and she was out of the cast, he examined her and he knew that she has a lot of spasticity. He knew so without telling us the words he more or less told us, yeah, this is going to this is going to be cerebral palsy. So and we she got was what the, age, Linda? 18 months, was it? She was 16. No. 16 months. Are you there, Linda? I, I think did. we might have lost you again, have we? Are you there, oh. Linda? Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, okay, sorry. The phone line's a bit dodgy at times. Sorry, oh, sorry, you were saying she was 16 months when she was diagnosed. <laughs> yeah, so it was um, seen on the MRI, she had PVL brain injury. Now, PVL brain injury is mostly... Um, caused by premature babies or in premature babies and caused by um, issues during labour or brain damage or lack of oxygen, which Zoe had none of. So it's one of these, we'll never know why um, we got the results that it could have been an infection while in the womb. 
So it kind of, at the start, kind of, I felt guilty and I felt like it was my fault or something I had done wrong. Oh, yes, I know. I can imagine. Through a lot of stress and grief, like we, we grieved the wee girl we thought we were going to have. So we danced, we were like all the other girls in the house, you know. So yeah. it was a grieving process. But I remember my mum said to me, Linda, every milestone that Zoe takes is going to be the most magical thing ever. Yeah. And um, she was right, you know, she's not yeah. here now. She passed away in August, but... Oh, I'd love to turn around to her and tell her, yeah, you were right, ma'am, because everything Zoe does now, it's amazing, you know, she just, and she loves it, she knows what she's doing, she knows when she's doing something that's good, and she'll tell everyone to clap for her, and uh-huh. say, wow, you know, so. And now, Linda, it. there's great hope, isn't there? At the, there's a there light is. at the end of the tunnel in the United States, isn't that right? Tell yeah. me a bit about that, about what you're doing. Yeah, so it's um, so it's called FDR surgery. I found it um, through a Facebook group, actually, social media is brilliant to find all the information, but um. So it's Dr. Parks over in America. He removes, um, he, it's spinal surgery. He cuts the nerve endings in the spine mm. that has spasticity in it. So he'll remove all spasticity from her body. Now, it's, it's like pressing a reset button with her. So after okay. the surgery, a lot of people ask, why Why 100000 So the surgery itself will cost in and around 60000 Then she'll need to get another surgery called PEX. Now, that could be while we're in America or that could be a year later, but but she will need to get it done. That's the lengthening of her um, hamstrings and things like that. All oh, right, okay, to allow her to walk. Yeah, yeah just to get, cause it, with the tightness, they haven't grown, so they'll need yeah. to lengthen them to, yeah. to the length of her legs. So that that will also be included, but um, it's it's like a reset button. So when she wakes up, she'll have an epidural for two days. And then after three or four days, they're going to start intense physio. Now, anything that we can do now, that we can sit up, that we can stand and take a few steps with a walker, that will all be reset. She won't know how to use her new body without the spasticity. So it'll be like jelly to her. So she, right. she will go back to like a newborn baby. But it's easier to build muscle than to have to work with tight muscle. Okay, so, so it's a huge task up. ahead. There's a huge road ahead for you guys. And you're trying yeah. to raise money for this uh, groundbreaking surgery. You need 100,000. You're doing well, Linda. You have a big fundraising night on the 30th of December. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, the girls dance with Starmaker Stage School in Black Rock and um, Amanda Lane, she's their dance teacher. She manages a lot of tribute bands. So she... Um, said to pick a night and she'd give me ABBA tribute Westlife Take That and Tina Turner tribute band for a night so it's, oh it's a God, full night fantastic. of tribute band yeah it, it, like, it, I think it's going to be a brilliant night and there's finger food and everything on, on the night so it's four hours of just complete entertainment and especially with Westlife coming to Dublin now and yeah. that back together so it, it, I think it'll be a really good night and how can you get tickets for that Linda? Uh, so tickets, you can get them through the Zoe Murphy Facebook page or in Gold Star Jewellers in Dundalk and the Liz Do also. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? And how's Zoe doing today now? How's she feeling today? She's great. We've just done a bit of video now. We're just going to pick up her sister from school. It's her, um, her older sister, Brooke's birthday today. She's 12, so we're going to go have a wee party. And then tonight she's um, actually switching on lights in Dundalk Christmas Oh, night. is she? Oh, that's yeah, wonderful. So. Wonderful. All, all of those kind of positive things, they're all helpful, aren't they, Linda? Just keeping oh, all of your spirits up as we head towards like Christmas. What happened on Friday, it did. It yeah. scared me and it kind of, but I, I don't want them to win. Like we, That's why we, we hinted and hawed, but we put up a post about it on Facebook. But we wanted to clarify that, of course, absolutely, we would not have that money in the house ever. Like no. we don't, we're not, we have committee members and we, I, at the start, transparency to me was a big thing. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted to be involved with the money or 
I don't want to see the money until we're over in America and I'm handing it over to the surgeon who's going to change our life. So well, obviously, like we we yeah. do not have access to the money, and that's why we put up the Facebook post just yeah. to let people know. Yeah. Like, it, I'm sure most people would, but of course, expect well, most that we right-minded, know. right-thinking people would would yeah. know that, you know, Linda. But you know, the message has gone out there now today. Listen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I wish you the very best of luck in the um, fundraising campaign. Best wishes to little Zoe and to all your family, Linda, for a very happy and mostly peaceful Christmas. Yeah, hopefully, yes. And you too, John. Thanks Enjoy the evening. Thanks so time. much, Linda. Take care. Bye-bye. Late lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, Renault Dealer of the Year. Offering a new standard in used cars with Renault Selection. Each model comes fully serviced, full vehicle health check, and delivered with industry-leading standards of two years warranty, two years breakdown assistance, and low APR finance. Welcome back to Late Lunch. Now, over the weekend, the story of how two dogs called Sally and Jack sadly lost their owner it was shared on social media over the weekend. I have to say, it's a heartbreaking story. Fiona squibb the ISPCA, is with us to tell us the story. How are you, Fiona? Hello, Joan. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Fiona. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Sally and Jack and the poor little devils? What happened to them over the weekend? Well, I just happened to get a message to say that their owner had died and that they were found lying with him. Um, well, I say lying, I think he was sitting on the couch in his usual position <laughs> with them on either side and they were shaken. They knew something was wrong and of course, the do family we know, contacted me. Do we know how long they had been sitting we there? We don't, no. I, well, I don't personally, I yeah. don't. So the poor uh, man passed away the weekend and the two dogs did. were sat by his side. yeah. And how yeah. was the alarm raised, Fiona? How did people know this? Did family call to the house? One of the family, they normally go down on a Friday, um, they, they found him. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Sally and Jack, Fiona. What do you know about oh, them? Oh, well, I've known both the owner and them for quite some years now. We helped out with Sally and Jack before. Sally had a litter of pups and we took her into our kennels and looked after her and then got homes for all our puppies and got her neutered. And mm. Then Jack as well came along and then... Um, the two of them we had there a couple of years ago when their owner again was very sick in hospital, thought he wouldn't survive, but he did two years on. Yeah. Um, um, and we had Sally and Jack with us then in the kennels for a couple of months, I think it was. How old are um, they, Fiona? Well, she is uh, the white one, Sally, being uh, eight-year-old roughly, and Jack is um, six. And what breed are they? Well, he's more a Jack Russell and she's just a kind of a terrier cross. Okay, they must be heartbroken. Um, Yeah, they are. Like when I when I went down to meet them, obviously they knew me anyway, which was quite good, really. Um, They were all over me. But then when I was taking them away from the house, um, they were crying. Yeah, of course they were. So where are they now, Fiona? They're out in our kennels and uh, I've been out there this morning. They're out playing with um, another dog that we got in at the weekend. Um, Okay. But she's still kind of going to the gate as if to say, am I going home? Am I going home? You know, yeah, of course she is. Um, yeah. You know, it's just very sad for them. Yeah, of um, course. I mean, they were literally with him 24-7. Yeah. Even if he went down to visit his family, which they took him down, I think, for tea on a Friday, it was always kind of even the sooner there than I have to go home to my dogs. Yeah. Oh, you know? I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dogs were absolutely everything. And of course, he was everything to them. So now they're looking for a new home. They are, I'm afraid. Yeah. And we've had... Such an overwhelming response on social media. I was kind of taken aback by it all. Um, and we had a few offers of homes, um, but they'll be looking for a quieter home. Yeah. What type know. of home? That's what I was going to ask you. What I mean, Something rehoming one dog can be difficult, Fiona. You want these two guys to go together? 
Oh yeah, I couldn't couldn't let them mm. place. Now we have had offers. We've had offers from England as well, actually. Right. Okay. Um, and um, somebody that's there quite quite a lot, mm. um, quieter home. Yeah. So are we? Maris say... is another animal. They're quite good with other animals mm. anyway. They're not bothered about that, but not a young puppy. Yeah. When you say um, quieter home, do you mean some a house that hasn't got children? Do you mean an well, older person? They could have older ones, but not younger ones. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, okay. Um some of the offers that we've had just um are not the most suitable for them and I and I will yeah. keep going till I get the right place. Yeah, okay. Having said that, the one that was offered in England is absolutely quite good. And is that an option, Fiona, to get them to Oh the yeah, UK? yeah. Well they just get passported, um, mm. but they couldn't leave till probably now after mm. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it would be a private transport so it's quite good and we've done that before. So if people are interested um, in these in these two dogs, Fiona, where, where can the they two, go to have a look at them? Yeah. Um, they're at our kennels in Walterstown, the Louth SPCA kennels. Um, presumably they're directions. online, yeah. Their there's photos directions. are online as well, are they? Yeah, they are online and there's directions to place on our webpage, louthspca.ie. And right. if anybody wants to contact me, they can get me at info at Okay, well, the best of luck, Fiona. It's a heartbreaking story. Hopefully it will have a happy ending. Thanks a million for chatting Thank you very much. The best Thank of you. luck. Thank I hope you, you get a wonderful happy new Christmas. home for them. Same to you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. Fiona. Bye-bye. Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors. Drive with peace of mind. 041 983 now you're welcome back to Late Lunch. Now the issue of restaurant no-shows, that's people who make bookings but then they don't show up leaving the restaurateurs out of pocket with unsold tables. It's returned to the spotlight as we enter this busy Christmas period. Restaurants have reported these no-shows can have a real financial impact on them. And joining me now in studio to discuss the issue is Mark McGowan the Director of Scholars Townhouse Hotel in Drogheda. Hello Mark, how are you? Thanks Hi, John, for joining me. You doing? All right. You're very welcome to the Late Lunch today Mark. It must be so annoying, so frustrating for restaurant owners when you're faced with a no-show? It is, unfortunately. It's it's one of those things, especially coming into this time of year, the festive season. Um, a lot of no-shows this time of year. Um, I've been chatting to other restaurateurs around the country that I would know, and it's they're suffering um, on, a, on a large scale with the, this occurrence. So um, it's just something we'd like to put to bed. And um, at the moment, the, the talk of deposits is coming up more and more. So um, that's something that we'll be putting in place in Scottish this year. Mark, are you telling me people don't have the good manners to ring up and say, look, I can't make it. I have to cancel. I'll reschedule. Are you telling me people just don't show up? Uh, no, not, it's it's not every customer. Most of the majority of customers are actually very, very good. Our customers are fantastic, I have to say. What I would say is it's the it's it could be a smaller or it's a minority, but mm-hmm. it causes uh, havoc within the within the business. Um, for a variety of reasons from um, an empty space obviously in the restaurant which generates a lack of revenue but also uh, the staff your employees suffer as well because they may be cancelled they also have mouths to, mouths to feed as well you know Yeah I was just going to say how does this affect you because presumably if you've booked a full house you have a full complement of staff on for that night and then maybe a large party doesn't show up you'd be sending staff home you would, absolutely. It'd be common practice for a business to have to send staff home if if it were the case. Now, you'd always do your best um, to try and accommodate the staff where you could, but a business just couldn't survive if it was a case where a large party of 30 or 40 had cancelled. It's not often that you would have a large number that that uh, cancel like that. The odd time you would have a four uh, tables of four, maybe two, the odd time a, a larger group. 
but um, you won't recover that, especially through recover through December, because you just don't get walk-ins in December. Everyone has already made plans. Mm. They know what they're doing, so um, it just doesn't happen, you know. How late can a customer be before you'll say it's a no-show? How long do you give someone to? To be honest with you, um, I, I'd I'd say around six, seven hours. Like to be to be honest, the day before, but you could probably manage and and try mm. and make it up some way, shape, or form. But the important thing is, is like we we as restaurateurs, our day starts the day beforehand. We bring we we obviously bring in our fresh produce. The chef prepares for the amount of covers he's going to have in. Uh, we heat the building. We make sure that all our utilities are are in place. The heating's on, and and the customers mm. are going to be nice and cozy when they come in to sit down. Mm-hmm. So um, and that that could be like a private room or private area that that is in that is heated up and and all ready to go. Candles lit on mm. tables. Um, the whole the place looking lovely for the amount of people Absolutely. that you expect to come in. What's the solution, Mark? What do you think? What's to be done? Well, I think there's a couple of ways you can get around this. If you have an online platform, I think that's always it, it, it's good. Take email addresses, take as many contact details as you can that you're able to um, get in touch with the customer, whatever whatever time you use within your own restaurant. Uh, we would generally do it around 48 hours beforehand, try and get in contact and liaise with the booking to make sure that a, they have uh, the same numbers that was originally agreed, and B, they're actually going to turn up on the day. Yeah. But um, that's that's the way we would go about it. Also, credit card detail is something that we would we would take now. Would obviously uh, store it properly due to GDPR mm-hmm. and everything else. You have to make sure you, you have those um, issue those things in place. But um, and also is just making sure that uh, yeah you, you do have that phone number and you're communicating with your staff the whole time that um, that they are following up with these phone calls. So now there's been talk about introducing a deposit system. You know yourself, you book a hotel for the night, yeah, and they take credit card details. And if you don't show up, you're charged. Your credit card is charged. Is Absolutely. that something similar that you're thinking of doing? It for is. Restaurants? I think. I, I think in the future, doesn't it? If it keeps going the way it's going, I think it'll it'll be a necessity that 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 would have to be done. I know there is a certain amount of play in Dublin that take payment for the full meal when, as, as it comes really? along. There is, yeah, there's different different places that, that have uh, those uh, procedures in place. Um, it's it's not always ideal, I, I understand that, and it can be a lot, especially if it's a large group and, and if a restaurant is expected for uh, one organiser to get everybody's money together for a reservation, it's not always doable, I totally understand that. But um, if you're going to a concert, as an example, and you bought a ticket for a U2 concert, whatever it may be, mm. and um, you're, you're not getting a refund if you're, if you're, if you're yeah. ill or if yeah, um, you don't, baby you sick or anything along those yeah. lines. Although I do understand there is unfortunate circumstances, but it, it's a very rare occasion for the diner, whereas it's a regular occasion for the for the restaurant tour. So it's very, very busy this time of the year then, coming up to Christmas, Christmas parties and on large groups of people. How will you manage those? Yeah, we, we generally take around a ten euro deposit per person. That's that's what um, that's what I'm doing within my own business. Ten euros per person. Ten euro per person. And would one person have the person who's making the booking will say for their for their Christmas night out with their staff party? So suppose I ring up and I want to make a night out for my friends. I'm Ge- I'm going to pay. Generally, deposit. generally you're in charge of the booking, so you you would suffer the blow. <laughs> so it's my credit card that get be, hit. It will be your credit card that will get hit. <laughs> We just a comment in from a listener who says, I can't believe people will be that rude and discourteous to a restaurant and not call in advance to cancel their booking if they're unable to make it. It's just good manners. Isn't it just good manners to it's, call? It's just it? common courtesy. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. And especially the way these, as I was mentioned beforehand, the online platforms, generally people will get a reminder as well on their phone, whether it be by email or SMS. And if they can't make it, it's just a matter of picking up the phone, making that quick, simple phone call. And um, that'll save all. The, it'll save all the hardship on and the business. And then you can 
can resell that table. We'll you do, can release it or we'll try do your best, best to. We'll do our best. Is it tough out there at the minute in restaurants? It is. Uh, the, I mean, the, the 50% hike in the VAT is a mm. massive blow to us. Like, you know, and anybody that opened up post 2011, I imagine, will feel the pinch a little bit more because all they know is the 9% VAT rate, I suppose. But um, it is it is quite tough in a minute, so that's why it's important. This is bread and butter season for us. It's very important that we we really make it make hay while the sun shines. There's been talk about how difficult it is to keep staff in restaurants and hotels. Is it difficult? Can you get people, and when you get them, do they stay? There's a massive skills shortage at the minute. We've been very lucky. We've a, a lot of staff that have been with us. Uh, some of them over ten years, and we're open fifteen years now at the minute. Mm. But um, chefs is a massive issue. I find myself in and out of the kitchen more more often than I'd like to be at the minute, to be honest. Yeah. And um, that's down to the the mass skills shortage. But I know the visa restrictions have opened up a little bit from uh, various countries around the world. Maybe we'll find a different culture starting to happen on plates around Ireland. I'd say very soon. <laughs> so they're bringing their ideas for their cuisine with them to Ireland. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find? Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? That can ah, only be a good thing. It is. Well, modern modern food in Ireland now, I think, is, is changing all the time. And I think all these influences from different parts of the world have a great impact on Irish cuisine. And especially the Boyne Valley as well. I think I think it's really good. Various restaurants around the place are this, trying different things. This area is so rich for food, isn't it? The whole Boyne Valley area. The huge food producing region, really. It's are, absolutely fantastic. It is, isn't it? There's a plethora of produce right on your doorstep, isn't we're, there, Mark? We're, we are absolutely blessed with, uh, I mean, the pastures of the Boyne Valley and what, what they can provide, I suppose, for the producers as well. We have um, Drummond House Garlic. Marita Collier, absolutely brilliant. And then we have... Um, our lovely violetta potatoes and purple sprout and broccoli from Bally McKenney Farm as well. It's absolutely fantastic. Lanlear Honey is another company that we would use um, just out the road and they won the best honey in the world, I believe, there uh, a couple of weeks in ago over in London. In London, yeah, the world, the Honey World Championships, if you knew there was such I a thing. I never knew there was such a thing as there the Honey go. World Championships, Mark. There really? you go. Yeah, absolutely. And you're using that produce in your We use as much as we can wherever and wherever we can. So what would you say to people out there then that may be thinking about booking in for their Christmas party or just a group of friends Ring up, make the reservation. Absolutely, I show think, up. Yeah, I think a little bit of um, if you're a little bit more organised before you're booking as well, little heads up and get it. Make sure you have adequate numbers. Everybody knows that they're arriving. You get in contact with everybody. Ring the restaurant or even um, let them know if there's going to be a cancellation, and then everything will be, we, we won't be given out then. This surely impacts on you financially when people don't show up. Huge financial impact, huge. Like, never mind the uh, the sales of the actual booking. Like, our, our menu is thirty eight euros, but I mean, the spend then after that could be twenty or thirty on top of that in wet sales. So you're also you're also losing that as well. <coughs> Excuse me. How do you mean? What's wet sales? Sorry. Your wet sales would be your drink sales. Oh, the so, bar. Yeah, you're the losing bar. out yeah. at the bar as well because of course people coming for bar. dinner. So a glass of wine or even soft drinks, whatever it may be. Yeah. So um, there is an impact and there's a ripple effect, isn't there, from this, Mark? When people don't show up, they make a booking for four or six people and then they just don't show up. There is a huge ripple effect. Huge ripple effect. And it, it, it does. It, I mean, it, it affects the bottom line. Um, bills still have to be paid. All your utilities, your staff still have to be paid. So it's important. Yeah. Well, that's a good message. It's certainly food for thought, Mark. I want to thank you for taking the time to come in and talk to me. I know it's a very busy time of year. The best of luck. Thanks, Thanks again, very much, Mark. Sean. Really appreciate it. That was Coldplay and Yellow. We do have a poll on our Facebook page ongoing at the moment on the issue that we were just talking about there with Mark on restaurant no-shows. If you'd like to take part, just go on over there to our Facebook page. Well, that's it from me for the moment and from late lunch today. I want to thank my producer Sinead for getting me through today. Thank you very much, Sinead. Until tomorrow at half past one, have a great day. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.